Another edition of Just for Sport here on the Props Network. Jamoke Davis here, and I'm ready to go. We have a great show for you. We got a lot to talk about. The NBA draft was last night. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk NFL Week 11 and my fantastic four picks. Really excited about that. Bo, Bo knows college football. A big game this weekend between Indiana and Ohio State. We will get into that. And, of course, Virginia Tech at Pitt. How can we not talk about Pitt? And devil's advocate. Should we allow performance-enhancing drugs in sports? Would we enjoy sports maybe a little bit more? New records being broken? Just want to explore that topic, son. And then in sports you don't care about. It's always sunny in Wrexham. I know you don't know what that means. Maybe you do. If you, if you watch the show I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I'm going to delve into how soccer is going to change completely after this one move. You got to wait to hear about that. But this is actually the 50th episode of Just for Sport. I can't believe it. And not only can I not believe it, but realistically, as I was kind of going over the rundown yesterday, uh, you know, once again, you can join me uh, via the chat. We're going to have Dexter Henry on very shortly to talk about the NBA draft. Uh, hopefully you're watching on YouTube, Twitch, or our Facebook page for the Props Network. But I just can't believe it's our 50th episode. And to think where this show has gone... What we have done, I am thankful to Sam for bringing me in and Kyle for working with me as well. I really appreciate uh, Joel Walkowski uh, at the beginning as we would talk NBA and kind of, you know, finding our way. Uh, Haley Mylon and Haley's comment, she's going to be on very, very soon. Uh, not in this episode, but soon. She's coming back. But I, I really appreciated having her on. And she was the very first guest on Just for Sport when it was a podcast and only a podcast. Uh, she was the very first guest on the show. And so I'm always appreciative of that. We go way back to our time uh, with the Wizards together. And we've had some really great guests. And I was trying to think about summing up what does episode 50 mean to me? Uh, and thinking about the different guests that we've had on the show. Um, to me, it's something that I have enjoyed being able to express myself, not be, you know, uh, tied to a team. And I enjoyed working for the Wizards. Don't get me wrong. I really love working for the Wizards. But you know, I have been able to, whether it's, it's here right now and I'll work for a team in the future is a possibility, always a possibility because I love working for teams, but I've been just able to express myself and stretch my um, abilities and talk about topics that maybe I wouldn't have before if you're, rep, you know, if you work for a team and you're kind of having to represent that team, but um, it has 
really allowed me to be myself. And I really appreciate that with the Props Network. It has allowed me to learn more about betting and gambling and something that, you know, I didn't really do, especially on the basketball side. I did a little bit on the football side, but when Sam and I were talking about trying to do a show, it was really about, hey, Jim, okay, just be you and let's see where it goes. And I really appreciate that. And we've had some amazing guests on. As I was sitting here and I was like, just, you know, I was going through my phone here and I was checking out the library of all of the shows that we've done and all of the guests we've had, you know, Michael Wilbon, Sarah Eckert. I mentioned Haley, Casey Phillips, Tori Smith, David Aldridge, Harry Chickma, Diane Roberts, Frank Hanrahan. I have really enjoyed every bit of the people that I have had on, Andy Thompson, because they've always brought something different. I think that's what I wanted to explore in the beginning is to not necessarily think about this show just having talent on, you know, it's about betting and it, and people who bet aren't necessarily on camera. It's about sports. And I wanted to explore people who have been in my life that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, come from the same world. You know, we, we had people on from advertising and Dylan Heinbrock who loves sports. You know, it's, it's a breath. It's a wide berth of talent, a wide berth of guests. And, and I want to thank every one of the people that have been on the show to help me make it to 50 episodes. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. You can join the live chat on YouTube and Twitch. And we're going to dive right into NBA, the NBA draft. It's been the most entertaining draft I have ever seen from a emotional perspective. And we're going to bring in Dexter Henry on Dexter. Thank you very much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Uh, you were on with me uh, last episode. Yep. He is a co-host of the podcast, eight hard to tell. And before we dive into the nuts and bolts of the draft, the first thing I thought about when I woke up this morning was this morning was how emotional it was seeing the number of young men that were crying and moms that were crying and fathers. It was just so emotional. And I think maybe the virtual draft, the playdemic, as I like to call it, maybe has affected more people with this coronavirus because they've been so isolated and didn't know mm -hmm. if their dreams would come true with this draft. And it did. And that outpouring emotion was just amazing for me to witness. What was it like for you, Dexter? Yeah, it was. That's something that was a, a huge takeaway from this draft, just watching these young men. Um, and as you said, Jamoke, their families also just being so emotional about this. I mean, I think we always see emotion in the draft, but like, let's be real, when they're in the green, when they're at the physical draft, you know, I think a lot of guys are holding back, right? They, they might not want to cry in front of other guys. They might not want to do that. But I think when people be on their families, maybe more of their families, some some of the situations look like, I don't know, might have been a super spreader what some people had at their houses. I was like, they're doing a little too much. But to see that was just really good. And it, it was really raw. And just so I think, like you said, they didn't know if they were going to have this opportunity. They didn't even know if there was going to be a season or a draft or this could be done. 
Um, and, so, and so that was really beautiful to see for these guys, such raw emotion. Some guys can even speak once Malika Andrews started asking them questions. So, you know, it, it was a really beautiful thing to see. And, you know, no matter whether you walk across the stage, I'm sure people want to shake the commissioner's hands. But I thought the NBA did a good job um, in ESPN with the presentation and, and just allowing these guys to still have a moment because that still matters very much. And, and it matters for these guys to be drafted. But I also feel like, doesn't your health matter? And just like you said, I was like, there were way too many people right next to the players. I just felt like, what are you all not understanding about not only are we dealing with a pandemic, but there have been long-term effects in the short term, but still long-term effects. Two months after somebody had a coronavirus, they're still having breathing problems still not at 100% health, and you are potentially affecting this kid, these young men, with possibly the coronavirus, and they're about to play a season in like 45 days. They're going to be having to play at their best. What look, was going on there? I, look, I, I don't know. And, and I said this last night. Look, if, if it was my uh, son or if it was my daughter, uh, which I have one, if it was an NBA draft, WNBA draft for her or something down the road, and this was the situation – no, you know what? We can't have all these people there. I mean, it was crazy watching some of the stuff where I understand the emotion and you want to get a lot of people that, that have supposedly been with you for the ride um, to this point. But you could tell the, the difference between certain families. Some families had it in their home, very small. It was mom, dad, girlfriend, brother, sister, you know, the, the immediate family. And that's totally understandable. But yeah. some of these other players you saw having it in these big halls or different venues to accommodate, I, I forget who the player was that had like 50 people behind him. And I was yeah. like, yo, man, that's, that's, this is not going to be good. Um, and you talk about, I think that's the thing, Jamoke, you know, when we talk about this in terms of sports in general, I think a lot of times we have forgotten about, we don't still don't know a lot about this virus and the long-term effects that it can have on athletes. We look at this like, oh, hey, they tested positive. And then, you know, whatever, 14 days they're later, they're negative. And that's just it. You talked about these young men who have to go and start a season in 45 days. They mm -hmm. don't have a summer league. They're mm -hmm. going to have a sort of, uh, you know, similar training camp, but it's going to be ramped up um, in a way. So they're not really going to get acclimated to basketball life. And then if you throw the COVID protocols and everything on top of that, that they have to worry about staying safe. Well, you want to get them off on the right foot and you don't want to have them in situations where they're around so many people and you don't know how everybody else is moving. And that makes them unsafe. So I don't know what some of these people were thinking. I guess the answer would be like, they weren't <laughs> because they, they, they weren't thinking, I think about the ramifications of this. I understand, man, I get it. It's a big moment, but this is, a, I think when we look at this through sports, Jim, okay, you also have to look at this in terms of the rest of the country and being like, look, we should be trying to keep everyone safe and do things in the safest way possible. So yeah, some people were a bit reckless or as I like to say, they were doing too much for sure last night. Speaking of safe, I know it's kind of crazy, but as soon as you said that, maybe think of safe pick. When you look at this draft, did anything surprise you as far as, you know, because I feel like when I think of safe pick, I feel like that's like best player available, right? Mm -hmm. You can always, that's a, that's a fail safe. You just go back to that. If anybody asks, why'd you take that player? Hey, best player available. Did anything surprise you with this draft of, especially in the top 10 of players that were picked? Um, I was surprised that Obi Toppin, who went to the Knicks, 
didn't go to the Cavs. <laughs> I thought the Cavs would take him for sure. I never thought he would make it past five. Um, I was a little shocked at that with the Cavs doing that. I think another shocker to me was the Hawks pick. The Hawks took another center, which just that was really shocking to me considering, you know, they have bigs in John Collins. Um, they took Aneka Okongu. Um, they have bigs in John Collins. They have um, Clint Capella. And it's mm-hmm. interesting that he took another big one. I think a lot of people would have looked at that roster and said, hey, they need to add wings um, there. So that, those moves were a bit shocking to me. Now, even though I said Obi Toppin uh, didn't go at five to the Cavs, I was shocked that he went to the Knicks because I thought the Knicks, uh, it was pretty clear they needed a playmaker and they would go with a point guard. And once Killian Hayes went off the board at seven to the Pistons, I definitely thought they would take uh, Halliburton and they did not. That was a huge shock to me. But apparently the, the Knicks were in love with Obi Toppin, uh, represented uh, by CAA, Leon Rose, uh, formerly used to uh, run uh, CAA. So th- that was a bit shocking to me. But I think that was it um, in terms of the top 10. I will say, I don't want to call it a safe pick, but I think once we saw the news come out about Clay Thompson, obviously we still don't know enough about his injury um, and that they think there's possibility that it could be devastating, could be the Achilles uh, on top of the torn ACL that he had. I think it made a lot of sense to me that then the Warriors would take Wiseman. And, I mean, still, they could still trade him, but uh, it made a lot of sense to me that they would take Wiseman and keep him there, and that was the safe pick. You know, you've heard Steve Kerr talk about how they needed a little bit more size and length. Uh, They got a big man. If things don't go right with Clay, this is a young player they could build around for the future, possibly. So that was a pick you could say was safe, but it made a lot of sense uh, for that pick. And I think the top three, I think it broke out sort of the way I kind of expected it to. I thought mm-hmm. you would see Edwards one. I thought you would see Wiseman two. Um, and then LaMelo three. I, I think everybody actually ended up in the places they need to be, the, where they can. I think they can succeed and be really good fits. So not a lot of surprises there, maybe other than the Cavs and the Hawks for me um, and the Knicks. But the Knicks always surprise uh, in the draft, I guess <laughs> you could say. It was hilarious to see LaMelo Ball go to the Hornets. You know what I want to see more than the uh, Hornets play and LaMelo Ball on the court? Is I want to see LeVar Ball versus Michael Jordan. (laughs) Pay-per-view, pay-per-view right now. Let's see that game. Because, I mean, he called him out. It's just the irony that Ball ends up becoming – you know, one of Jordan's players. Do you really want to see that? Oh, do you yeah. really, do you really want to see LeVar Ball get embarrassed? Because we know that's what's going to happen. Look, Jordan ain't going to lose to him. That's no. for sure. We know that. <laughs> He's not going to let that happen. It's only a matter of how much will he embarrass him by. That's the real question. How much will he embarrass him by, Jamoka? You're that's right. And it's ridiculous because if you said pay-per-view $10, I'm paying the $10. Okay, maybe $9.99. If it's under $10, dollars 9 <laughs> I'm paying that to watch the two of them play, maybe even more than the NBA game. You know what? I I think I'll pay it. It's not that I'm, I'm like, excited to see the game, but I just want to see Michael Jordan just talk smack to him the whole right? time and LeVar Ball not be able to do anything about it. <laughs> like, that, that would just be hilarious. So I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Yeah, I, I think they should. Maybe, maybe they're going to end up doing it at halftime or something. Just let the two of them go ahead. <laughs> they should. Um, you mentioned surprises. What about mm-hmm. steals? Uh, is there a, a player that you saw that you said, wow? Again, you talked about, you know, players that drop. You didn't expect them to. I would say the steal of the draft is could it be 
uh, a Devin Vessel, or you mentioned Tyrese Halliburton. Was he the steal of the draft? Those are two I like. I like that you mentioned those two names. Uh, first, let, let me talk with uh, about uh, Devin Vessel. Really liked his game. You know, uh, Jamoke, us both being pit guys, we've seen him a little bit in the ACC with Florida State. And this is a guy I think that could come in immediately, uh, contribute three and D player. Uh, really liked his game. You know, I even thought, hey, if the Knicks had grabbed him at, at eight, it wouldn't be bad. I thought he could have gone, it could have gone higher there as well too. Um, I do like, uh, I do also like Halliburton. Obviously, I thought he was the best point guard available at the time for the Knicks, but for him to slip down to Sacramento uh, at twelve. I mean, that's a great find for Sacramento. He's a guy I think that could play well off the ball with De'Aaron Fox, steady, can shoot. I know some people are concerned about his mechanics, but he does have a great repetitive motion, and he does shoot the ball very well. So I like that. Another guy, I'm, I'm going to surprise you on this one. Uh, I'm going to surprise you on this one. I, I, look, I, I like kind of like what the Wizards did, man. I like what the Wizards did um, with Denny Avergy. Yeah. What'd you say? Say no. What'd you say? Bo, Bo said the same thing in in the yeah. chat. He says he likes the Denny pick. Yeah, I, here's why I like it. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to develop. And I was texting with you, telling you this last night, right? But I like the fact that he's another guy who can, you know, you can put the ball in his hands. He can be a playmaker. And if you're going to run it back with Wall now coming back and Bradley Beal um, and Rui, you know, here's a guy that can add a little bit of different dimension to the offense. He looks like a smart player. Heady player has a good feel for the game. I think sometimes we get way too caught up in athleticism oh, in terms of the NBA and not looking at guys who have good feels for the game. He looks like he has a good feel for the game. I don't know how much how he can contribute quickly, but I think he's going to have to get a little bit stronger. That's but that's the one thing. But look, it's going to be in an NBA weight room under NBA nutrition program. I think the kid will be fine, but I do like that he has a good feel for the game. And I could see this, you know, Two years from now, you might be smiling, Jamoke, about your Wizards <laughs> having a nice young player. And I, I do think I do think that was a, a, a good pick um, and it's going to be good value where they got him at nine. Look, I said this to you the other day, Jamoke. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, superstars in this draft. Or I could be wrong, but I do think people can find a lot of good rotation players, even if you get a second, you know, or third option. At nine, if, if he turns out to be a number three guy for you guys in terms of scoring, that's not bad. And okay, so let's 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 talk about this Wizards pick because mm -hmm. the funny thing for me with Denny is it reminds me of an Ernie Grunfeld type pick, always mm. getting an international player. I also think that there were a lot more international players in general that have been looked at because everybody's thinking that we're going to get the next Luca, the next Giannis, mm -hmm. and looking even past that, the next Dirk, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. But I also you know, I didn't. I, I got my share of Jan Vesely 2.0 Texas as well. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh boy, here we go, the next Jan Vesely. And just to pivot a little bit, I just wanted to share a funny story with you and everyone else. So, you know, this was the first draft that I hadn't covered personally in a long time. Now, that Jan Vesely draft was funny because, you know, I believe that was also Chris Singleton was taken. Mm -hmm. And uh, the backup point guard, Shelvin Mack, was taken that year. I'm going to say that was what, 2012? Oh, my God. 20, I 2014? Right. Or mm -hmm. Okay. Whatever year that was, all right? We know all these guys had, had a ball. They're going out and partying. So I'm following Jan Vesely through the night. I'm amazed that he kissed his girlfriend, Eve. That was the greatest thing. 
she actually used to play pickup basketball around the corner from where I live, which was funny to watch her too. Bo said it was 2011. Thank you. 2011. Yeah, thank you. I think I saw you at that draft too, Jamoke. Yeah, think, yeah. I, I, I mean, how many drafts did we did we yeah. hang out with? Uh, hang yeah. out at. So Jan, at the end of the night, I'm following around. He's like, you want to come with me and my family for dinner? We're in this little Italian joint just in midtown Manhattan somewhere, just a quiet dinner. No one knew who he was. It was his mom mm-hmm. and dad and his girlfriend, Eve. And we sat there and ate. And it was like, okay, that's the end of the night. And it was amazing. And so I kind of had a, a little uh, uh, an affinity for Jan Vesely, even though I felt like once he got in the gym and I saw him doing summer league and training camp and I'd be able to watch the practices, my head would just go down like this when somebody would just abuse him. And just... But but at the same time, to be like, yo, but he did buy me dinner at one point. He did buy me dinner on draft night. He took care yeah. of me. Yeah. So you had, yeah. you had the respect for him there. <laughs> yes, Jan's my guy. Jan's my guy. Um, so I hope that Denny plays well. I, I really do. And, and second year in a row, the Wizards have taken an international player. So from a corporate sponsorship, I'm sure they're, you know, they're thinking about the business side of basketball as well. They have yeah. to be. Yeah, they got to be. I mean, but, you know, the fans also want them to think about winning. And I do think I do think this is a good pick. I don't think he's no disrespect to Jan Vesely. Shout out to him for buying you the dinner on draft night. That was a nice, that was definitely <laughs> was, a nice touch. Um I, I do think he's a, a good player that can really help. I think anytime you can get more playmakers, his shooting's got to get a little bit better from the outside too. A little inconsistent there. That's another knock on him. But from what I saw, I just like his feel for the game. Do I think he's Luca where he jumped off me the first time I saw Luca? No, yeah. off, off the page. No, he's not that. But I do think he could be a solid player. And I think he fits as a modern NBA player. And and look, that's good value at nine, man. Definitely good value. When you get into the second round, is mm-hmm. there a player that the Wizards took? Vit Cressy. I, I missed the pick, and I should know his name. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Trey Jones dropped all the way down to 41. The Spurs picked him up. Is that a surprise for you, a player like that? Uh, Nico Mannion from Arizona goes to the Warriors. Did they need that kind of a point guard? And I love seeing Kenyon Martin Jr. go to the Kings. He showed a lot of emotion as well. Yeah, so Trey Jones shocked me with how far he dropped. He, there was a point where in the 20s, late in the first round, I thought he might go. Some teams that needed a point guard, I thought they might take him. I think he's going to be a steal. I think he will fit into the Spurs culture. He was kind of a low, uh, low-tier low starting NBA point guard. I think many people projected him had and maybe a backup. But look, with this, what the Spurs have, the guard position, they've got uh, DeJounte Murray. They've got uh, Derek White. They've got some some other guys that can, you know, play uh, in guard spots. But he looks like a guy who could be steady. He could defend. You know, he could probably learn under – I think Patty Mills is a free agent, so I don't know if he'll learn under him. But he's a guy that would have been a good mentor for him in that. Could you see him being in that Patty Mills kind of role? Yeah, I could see yep. him. If his shot gets better, I could definitely see that. But he's a steady guy, defends, so you have to like that. I'm really surprised he went went as low, but I think that's a good pick for the f- pick for the Spurs. And it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, if he thrived within uh, their organization at all. Mannion, another another good pick. I, I think you mentioned it too. Could be a steal. Again, sometimes a lot of it, Jamoke, is about who gets into the right system. We mm-hmm. talk about the Spurs. We know what the Spurs can do. The Warriors have clearly built a culture around ball movement and defense. This is a guy I think that could come in. Wouldn't shock me. This is a team that needs some depth, especially with you don't know what's going to happen with Clay. I'm not saying he's going to be Clay or replace Clay, 
but a guy that can give you some depth off the bench, can hit some shots, will look to play hard. Look, if he plays defense, plays hard, works within the system, you know Kerr is going to play these guys and try to build their confidence. So I think that's also a, a, another, another, good, another good pick. I think it was also weird to see that there were no Duke players taken in the first round. I just yeah. was amazed by that. And I would say, again, we could talk about this forever. How many Duke players really do well in the NBA? I, I mean, I almost say Coach K is a little overhyped in that it's great mm-hmm. to play for Duke, but realistically, no Duke, no Kentucky, no Kansas, as Bo just said, but focusing on Duke. What Duke players have you ever really seen that have gone to the next level and been a star? You can't count Zion Woodson. The one and Duns, I feel like, I don't know. But if you go back to the players, Christian Leitner never was great in the NBA. We can go nope. all the way back there. You know, the best, the, the best player, I mean, you just mentioned Grant Hill. Grant Hill's probably the, the most talented player uh, that I saw come out of Duke in out my lifetime, probably your lifetime too, Jamoke. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Jay Williams, I think, would have been that guy, motorcycle, motorcycle. accident, injuries. Um, but a lot, let's be real. I mean, you've been saying this for a long time. I know you so long. I know, right? <laughs> you've, been saying this is, you've been saying this way back that I know you. Even back then, you were making this point, you know, in the early 2000s or whatever. A lot of the Duke players have been disappointing, you know, or have never lived up to being that good. There's some guys who've had some good careers, like an Elton Brand. Um, a Corey Maggette, uh, you know, who've had some good careers, but no, nobody's ever really lived up. I mean, you probably will have to say Kyrie Irving, you know, kind of got a career, but but I know you were taking him out because he's a one and done guy, not a right. guy who's who's played. Kyrie only played eleven games, so you know, Kyrie's probably will go there because he's one of the most talented. He has he has an iconic shot now in NBA history. Um, but now I'm, I'm really I'm really struggling. Um, Shane Battier is the best Duke player to play in the NBA wow. if you look at his whole at his whole career. JJ Redick is another good JJ Redick. Bo, Bo mentions JJ Redick. That's another I mean a guy who's had a long career. And I would actually say for JJ Redick, JJ Redick probably has exceeded the expectations that many people had of him. You know, I thought he might be another Christian Leitner, but when you look at it and how he worked on his game to be able to move without the ball. It's a testament to J.J. Redick. He's had a really good career. Not a Hall of Famer. But look, this is the point. We're not coming up with any Hall of Famers here. We, no, we, haven't, talked about, we haven't talked about anybody who's had a legit non-injury Hall of Fame career. I don't – I mean, I, I look, I'm an NBA junkie, but I'm missing this guy <laughs> right now. There's really not one. Um, you know, Duke, Zion Williamson – Best player probably to come out of Duke, but obviously one and done. R.J. Barrett, too. The, the, the jury's still out on those guys. We don't know what they'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Duke hasn't really developed uh, stars or players, even in the way Kentucky has. Yeah, nope, not you know, at all. Kentucky, Kentucky's had guys go late in the lottery um, and sometimes lower and develop into good players. Look at Bam out of Bayern, Tyler Hero on the same team in Miami. Yep. Um, late lottery picks. Anthony uh, Davis. Anthony there Davis. Were, at one mm-hmm. point, there were six players in, when it was a Western Conference final, Eastern Conference final. I think there were six, maybe five or four. That in were that from range, Kentucky. From Kentucky. Like, it's yeah. just Calipari will get you ready for the NBA. Coach yep. K, have fun. You play that Duke. You don't know what you're getting when you go to that next level. I just – I just – you know, it's, fun, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. It makes me think about if you're if you're Coach K, if you're not Coach K, but if you're 
Coach Calipari and you're sitting now with a kid and you know he's going to choose between like Duke and Kentucky. I mean, that's all I'd say. I just thought I'd just show him the list of names. I'm like, <laughs> this is what I've done. And these are the players. <laughs> and this is what these guys have done. I'm like, you can go do what you want. Yep. Yep. It's that crazy. Would, that'd be my yeah. recruiting pitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cole Anthony had the best, mm. um, uh, the best group of people around him, again, had an issue with social distancing. But then yeah. when Spike Lee popped up out of the corner, you know, obviously Greg Anthony's post, Cole Anthony's uh, father, and he was a former NBA player. But to see Spike Lee show up was pretty funny. Um, let's shift to NBA free agency. It's going to be a, I'm going to say, a bevy of moves before uh, the season gets started. They've got to move fast. And it seems like the Bucs were moving the fastest. Hmm. You know, they trade for Drew Holiday. But then Bogdanovich, the Bucs stopped at Bogdanovich and kind of messed up their deal. But you can see Milwaukee trying to make the moves to match the Western Conference, Lakers, and I guess you could, could have said Golden State, but just trying to really bolster their roster. Do you like the moves of what the Bucs were doing? And, and if Bogdanovich does end up playing there, what that team will look like going into next season? Yeah, I did like the moves of what they did. Now you can question, say, whether they were paying a hefty price uh, in terms of what they acquired to get Drew Holiday, what they also had to give up to get Bogdanovich. Although I really liked the Bogdanovich move. I'm a big fan of Bogdanovich. Tough play, player. If you've watched him uh, playing the EuroLeague, you watch him play in Serbia. This is a guy who can hit big-time shots. Um, I actually think, you know, it's a good move for Sacramento too, because he was not going to get the playing time or nor were they going to pay him when they already had paid Buddy Heald. Now, if this doesn't go through for the, for the Bucks, this hurts a little bit from one standpoint. One, I'm always like, well, how did, how did the guys, if they, you know, it was Ersan Ilyasova. Um, I forgot who it was, was it Dante DiVincenzo was, it was in that deal as, as mm-hmm, well too. Mm-hmm. Those guys supposed to thinking they're going to Sacramento and now they got to come back to the box and they got to they got to be there for training camp and looking around at everybody like y'all didn't want me and yeah. now I got to practice. Bogdanovich, I think the key here is he wants to get paid more, right? And I guess the terms of what he would have agreed to in a sign and trade is not what he'd want. If you're the Bucks, they're gonna try to do whatever they can to try to work this out because they don't want any bad feelings, they want him there. Um, maybe Donovich also doesn't want to necessarily be the fourth option on the team. He thinks he's better than that, which he probably is, mm-hmm. but he would have a chance to win. Look, the Bucks are probably hoping and praying, Jamoke, they can figure this out. They need to get need to get this guy. He can also can help them stretch the floor. He's a good shooter. Um, if not, they're gonna have to pivot elsewhere. Here's where you have to credit the Bucks. The Bucs know they have to do whatever it takes to keep Giannis, and they have shown that they are willing to do that. Now, will that get Giannis to sign that Supermax extension? I don't know. None of us know. But you can't fault the Bucs for not trying everything they could to try to keep this guy here. This is not like what Cleveland did uh, back in 2010 where they did nothing to keep LeBron there. They are really going for it. At least you give them that credit. But if this doesn't work out with Bogdanovich, it's going to be interesting to see what else they do to maybe get another scorer or try to appease Giannis and make another move. The Timberwolves add Rubio, the Rockets – uh, send Ariza the 16th pick to the Pistons, Horford to the Thunder. All of these trades are good, whatever. The one mm-hmm. I don't want to see happen is the trade John Wall to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook. I got to get your thoughts on if that ever happens, who do you th- think gets the better of that deal? And I'm just going to say I think Wall should stay in D.C. He's given his heart and soul to that team and that community. And injuries aside, 
he and Beal have a chemistry that I think is better than what you will get if you try to think that Westbrook and Beal can play together. I think that's a great point, okay, about the chemistry. They've had, I don't want to say situations, people try to blow it out out of proportion, I think, in the media about how they beefed with each other, didn't like each other, and they've both spoken on it and that they really were just pushing each other. And I always think that's a good thing for any team, any culture, and I think there's a mutual level of respect there, and they want to get it done in D.C. I think it's a move you don't make if you're the Wizards. It, there's nothing that to me. What's the true upside there? And you know, you're, you're a lifelong Wizards fan. Okay, <laughs> what's the upside there? Okay, you know, you're bringing in another guy whose game is based on kind of like John Wall. John mm-hmm. Wall's coming off an injury. Russell Westbrook's had some injury history. Both are not great shooters, but John Wall knows the system with Scott Brooks. Knows the players with you know Bradley Beal. And they've retooled that roster. Now some other guys coming in. There's, there's no need to make this move uh, other than maybe Scott Brooks wants to see a guy he coached before in Westbrook. I, I, I don't see it. Plus, if I was the Wizards, I'd probably want to pick for taking Westbrook's contract. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if the Rockets would want to pick for taking Wall's contract. I mean, nobody should get a pick in that situation. No, I think it's just, it would just be one of these moves, a change of scenery for the sake of a change of scenery, but I'm not sure it actually does anything for the teams. Mm -hmm. So I I think the Wizards need to keep a guy who's bought in and clearly wants to be there. And it's like you said, is giving his heart and soul to the team and has done a lot in terms of rehab to get back there. Just running back with Wall. And I think those positive vibes, that relationship he has with Bradley Beal, like you're saying, Jamoke, okay, that matters. That that stuff means something. Yeah. And it's not something you always can see on the stat sheet, but how guys get like each other and get along in the locker room and want to fight for one each for one another, which I think Wall and Beal do. I think that matters. Um, not saying that Westbrook wouldn't want that stuff. I just don't, you know. I think the place for Westbrook to go is Charlotte. That's what I would say. I think that's Charlotte. Where can go. Yeah. Even with LaMelo Ball? Oh boy. I mean, look, that's a tough backcourt because neither of them can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're both athletic, and I guess they'd be somewhat exciting. And in Charlotte, they need to sell tickets, and yeah. they're not going to get it. They're not going to get a free agent. They're not a free agent destination. So yeah. this, is a, you need a team like that or Orlando, I think, to jump into Westbrook. I don't think the Wizards need to be that team well, at all. Yeah. If nothing else, I would say Westbrook to the Hornets. I actually like that also from a different perspective, though. Mm -hmm. And maybe you had the same thought, too. Westbrook might be the one player in the NBA who I think could go to that team and has the fire that Michael Jordan had when he played. Like that competitiveness nature Westbrook has. Yeah, I will say that about Westbrook. And I think that's not a bad thing either. And I think it's need more for an organization like a Charlotte or like an Orlando I mentioned. An organization that needs that kind of jump start and fire. I don't necessarily feel like the Wizards are one of those teams, but I can see a Charlotte, Orlando. I'll even throw Sacramento in there. Some people are going to say the Knicks. I hope they don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but some people are going to say that. And I, I, I just think that he needs to go in a situation where I think he can uplift those and give them the fire. And, and you know, but I, I think the Wizards already have that. And they don't necessarily need to do that. But we'll see. It's going to be very interesting because the Rockets, one thing's for sure about the Rockets, and I'll switch to that for a second, they need to rebuild. Yeah. And and they're trying to do it. One of the things I didn't understand in their trade with Ariza last night is they gave up a pick to Detroit. Basically, it's just Tillman Fertitta, I don't want to call him broke when he's, you know, 
a, a billionaire, but he's trying to save money and have money so they can use the mid-level exception where I'm just like, don't you need picks? You need yeah. more assets here. <laughs> so the stuff the Rockets are doing sometimes is, is head-scratching. They got two firsts for Covington, which is great. Then you trade one of them to unload Ariza to the to Pistons just so you can use the mid-level. It's like, mm-hmm. what's your plan? Are you trying to rebuild here or not? I, I don't know. I don't know either because um, <laughs> I felt like as soon as uh, Mike D'Antoni said, hey, I'm out, the whole the whole thing just crumbled. The whole organization is just, you know, uh, re- retooling, rebuilding, recycling, whatever. They're going to try to do it, and, you know, it'll be interesting. Even Daryl Morey said, I'm out too. So they're really going to have a different change of culture in that organization. Thank you, Dexter. Yeah, no, I, no problem. We'll see, how they, see what they do. All right, I'll have you on again, of course, because we're going to be talking a lot of NBA. Maybe we should have you on regularly. Let's talk about that offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, like that like... To, I'd like that to happen. That'd be great. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that. All right, Jamoke, thanks for having me, man. All right, thank you. You Peace. can catch Dexter on his own podcast, Ain't Hard to Tell. And you can also, as you saw, he had on that T-shirt, Sideline Stories. He tells a lot of wonderful, beautiful, curated stories about athletes and culture as well. Um, Dexter's doing a lot of wonderful things, beautiful things. I'm happy to have him on. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk NFL. We got Thursday night football, and, of course, Thursday night football rolls into my fantastic four picks, which includes Thursday night football. Uh, and we'll get Bo on. He'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But first, read. The Props Network is the place where bets begin at thepropsnetwork.com. No, the Props Network isn't a sports book. It's where smart bettors and new players, as I used to be, go before the sports book. Why? Because the Props Network has a few things that all bettors need. Exclusive sign-up bonuses, reporting on weekly promos, free betting picks, and live odds comparisons for every game. That's right, every game. Not just NFL, not just NBA, MLB, the big ones. No, every game. A visit to thepropsnetwork.com before placing a bet guarantees that you'll be wagering with the very best available bonus and getting the biggest possible payout. If your bets hit, or just want to play once, then maybe hoping your bet hit. But the Props Network isn't just another bonus site. We've also got great content. Follow the Props Network on social media, YouTube, and Twitch for updates all week from me, Just the Sport, and the rest of our Props Network team. Get ready to bet with the Props Network today. You must be 21 or over to bet. If you or someone you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Boy, that was a lot. We talked a lot about the NBA, but we can't forget about the NFL. We got some great matchups for you coming up. The first one that I've got on tap, Thursday Night Football. So in the beginning, let's first tell a story about how I was really despondent about the Thursday Night Football. I thought the matchups weren't good. I was really, really disappointed that we even had Thursday Night Football because I said, how can you denigrate the Sunday games? And then they added Sunday night. And obviously Monday Night Football is, you know, appointment viewing, but I've grown to really enjoy the Thursday night game. Why? Because I love football. Like it's, it's like the king of all of the sports. I know I talk a lot of basketball, but I do love football. And to be able to watch it on, on a Thursday night is just as exciting. I really enjoy it. 
I really enjoy it. And we got a great matchup between the Arizona Cardinals who have to travel to the Seattle Seahawks with identical records of six and three. This is a tough one to pick. Overall on offense, can you believe the Cardinals have the number one offense? That's right. The number one offense. The Seahawks have the fifth best offense. I like, wait, wait, wait. Am I reading that right? Yes, that's right. On defense, not so much. The Seahawks are ranked 32nd, last in the NFL. The offense is ranked 16th for the Cardinals. I am trying to figure out where I want to go and who's going to win this game. One stat sticks out to me, and that's rushing. The Cardinals rank first in rushing. And no, that's not because of a running back. That's because of Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Now, Seattle is still favored at minus two and a half, over under at 57. Money line plus 128 for Arizona. Seattle is minus 150. I think you will get the over in this game. But I find that I don't know how you cannot. This game is an 820 kickoff on NBC. How you cannot go with Arizona here. And I'll tell you why you can't. Why I'm going to pick Seattle. Because I think we're getting into the hype. And I know, like, I'm, I'm leaning towards Arizona because their rushing uh, game is on point. Their offense is on point. But I also have to remember that there is a level of excitement right now for Arizona, all because of the Hale Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. Because of that one play, everybody's all in love with the Cardinals. That's really what it comes down to. Who was paying attention to Kyler Murray before that? Okay, maybe a little bit. Yeah, we were. But not to the point that we're thinking, oh, they're better than the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, realistically, we should be looking at a team who should be 5-4, and four, one game over 500 going to Seattle. And they got lucky because of some poor defense. Kyler Murray has more rushing touchdowns than the Seattle Seahawks combined with nine. Kyler Murray has 10. But I think what you're going to see in Russell Wilson tonight is a quarterback that's like, slow your roll, Kyler Murray. You know you were looking up to me. I'm going to show you tonight the real, maybe even the Younger Russell Wilson. Wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is amazing. Amazing. 7.4 receptions per game. 95.7 yards per game. 9.8 targets. DK Metcalf, slightly lower than that across the board. But he has eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. And they're about even on fantasy points. That's the matchup I most want to see. Russell Wilson has been turning over the ball a little bit more. So I think that that's a category 
that uh, obviously the Seahawks in general are going to have to think about, but Russell Wilson is going to have to keep the ball in his hand. Uh, but I think that um, if Seattle's defense can hold out, then I say Seattle will win, but Arizona will cover. You know, I'm thinking it'll be, you know, maybe a one-point game is where I'm going with it. It's going to be close, maybe 31-30. And, and the funny thing is, of course, that's the kind of game that I want. I love that drama. Um, I don't know how many of you love that drama. If you're a Seahawks fan, if you are a Seattle Seahawks fan, uh, Seahawks fan or Arizona fan, maybe you want a blowout, but I like a close game. I like a close game. Next game up that I look at that's like, I'm looking for the games that are entertaining that, and I guess you could say all games are entertaining, but now that we've gotten to this week 11 point, I'm looking for the games that have some drama that we're starting to get to that point where we have playoff implications. First, next game up, Tennessee Titans, Baltimore Ravens. Again, two teams at six and three. It's in Baltimore. Titans have the 14th ranked defense, offense, excuse me. Ravens have the 22nd best offense, but their defense is ranked six, whereas the Titans defense is ranked 22nd. Neither one of them have a great passing game, but they both have quality running games. Titans rank six, Ravens rank second. Something's got to give. I don't know where I want to go with this game. You got Baltimore at minus six, over under at 48 and a half, money line plus 216 for Tennessee, Baltimore at minus 260. Baltimore's just simply not playing well. So I'm amazed at the line. That's just too, I don't like the minus six. I think in this case, I take Tennessee again at plus six. But I wonder if Baltimore can turn it around. I didn't expect them to lose in New England the way that they did, only scoring 13 points. Lamar Jackson, teams maybe have figured him out as a quarterback. He's not running, not able to pass the way he did last year. He's just not as dynamic as he used to be. And Tennessee, their red zone efficiency is over 75%, second highest in the NFL. And Baltimore, in the red zone, is allowing teams to score over 75% of their red zone plays. That's highest in the NFL. And even though the Ravens have allowed a league low 18.3 points per game, I think that Tennessee will see pay dirt a little more often to the tune of, I'm thinking they're going to maybe get to about 21, 24 points is where I see. Derrick Henry has the potential to run all over the Baltimore Ravens. And I know that defense is ranked six, but I think that uh, Travis Henry is just a, uh, excuse me, uh, Derek Henry, it's just an, uh, 
an amazing running back. So I think Baltimore will win, but Tennessee will cover. And at that over-under, uh, 48 and a half, I'm going to take the under. Next game up, Kansas City at the Las Vegas Raiders. It doesn't sound the same when you say Las Vegas Raiders. Kansas City has flown under the radar all season, in my opinion. They're 8-1, and one, but nobody's really talking about them. Their one loss was to the Las Vegas Raiders in Arrowhead. It was a, such a big victory for the Raiders that they even did a victory tour in their bus around the stadium, which Andy Reid apparently didn't like. Kansas City is favored at minus eight, over under at 56 and a half. Las Vegas is plus three and a half, 303 with the money line. Kansas City at minus 379. Thank you, Utam Sharma. He said, good job. Thank you. I love doing the show. Kansas City has the fourth ranked offense. The Las Vegas Raiders have the 16th ranked offense. Defense, 13th for KC, 18th for Las Vegas. That passing game is key for Kansas City. They rank second. And the rushing attack for the Raiders, they rank seventh is key. Is that a big number? Minus eight for Kansas City. Can they really run up the score? The last meeting, the Raiders won 40 to 32. So I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. Andy Reid is 18 and three in a game following a bye week. And this is a big game for them, as I mentioned about the John Gruden's bus circling the stadium. Derek Carr has had a good season. And this should be a good matchup. As I mentioned, Kansas City's eight and one. The Raiders are six and three. The Chiefs have scored 23-plus points in 23 consecutive games, including playoffs, the longest such streak in the NFL. I'm taking Kansas City. And you know what? I'm going to take them at minus eight. I think that they will have a big game. They're going to make a statement game against the Raiders. I think the Raiders may be a little too much jacked. They'll be too jacked up for the game. And I think Kansas City is going to have a little payback. Now, the funny thing is, as I mentioned, that first game, the final score, 40 to 32, eight points. Las Vegas knows what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I'm still going to take Kansas City at minus eight. And the last game, Green Bay and the Indianapolis Colts. What do I make of this game? It's a 425 game on Fox. Green Bay Packers are 7-2. Indianapolis Colts are 6-3. First thing I think of is the quarterbacks. You got surely a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers for the Packers going to Indianapolis, playing for a new quarterback in Phillip Rivers. I don't know what we have here. Let's look at some stats. The Packers are ranked ninth in offense, Colts 17th. The defense, Colts, ranked number one in the league. But the Packers are far behind at eight. The rushing attack, 13th for the Packers, 23rd for the Colts. Passing attack, eighth for the Packers, 12th for 
the Indianapolis Colts. I don't really know what to make of this game. I really don't. Phillip Rivers has a career average of 372 yards per game versus the Packers. And that's the most by any player versus the Packers with two minimum starts. Aaron Rodgers has lost one to one AFC team since Matt LaFleur was named head coach in 2019, 5-0. Since then, 315 passing yards, 129 passer rating versus all other NFC teams except for that one loss in those other five matches. Naheem Hines and Alvin Kamara are the only running backs to lead their team in receptions this season. And obviously Alvin Kamara plays for the Saints. Let's see what Hines can do. Let's see what Hines can, Hines can do. I am torn with this game. We've got the Indianapolis Colts at minus two, which means Vegas doesn't know what to do with this game either. It's not a cakewalk. Over under at 51. Moneyline, Green Bay at plus 107, Indianapolis at minus 127. I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts at minus two to win at home against the Green Bay Packers. I think that home cooking helps. There's no fans in the stadium. But I feel like even when I look at the Green Bay Packers at seven and two, is it a Quality 72, 72, I don't know if it's right to say that, but I think with this defense, the Colts being ranked number one defense, I think the Packers offense will have problems, and I think that Indianapolis Colts are going to win the game. Over, under, I'll take the over. I'll take the over at 51 as well. So those are my fantastic four games for the NFL this weekend. I'm going to enjoy the games. I know you will too. Next up, got college football. Bo knows college football. That's where we're going to next. But first, Arif. BetMGM is the new online sports book that is taking over the online betting nation. And if you saw my social media videos yesterday, I used some of the BetMGM prop bets to help make my um, first round NBA draft night a little more fun. I didn't do as well as I thought I would, but not bad, not bad. I don't want to go over all the picks. Not only does BetMGM have some of the best odds on all the major sports, but they also offer some of the industry's strongest weekly promos. This week at BetMGM, you can get a free $20 in-play wager when you bet $50 or more on any live NFL game, or you can get up to $100 in free bets in the free-to-play Pick three first touchdown NFL challenge. And as always, you'll get a $10 free bet in the Money Monday Club. But that's not all. Right now, BetMGM has a special signing bonus from the Props Network listeners. For the Props Network listeners, all you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTSPORT20 to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. That's right. Just enter code JUSTSPORT20 get to $500 in your bank account with BetMGM. How about that? You must be 21 or over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. 
So we got college football coming up. We did Bone Nose College Football on Monday. I figured why not have Bone Nose College Football on Thursday too? We can look ahead at the best matchups. We can talk about uh, our Pitt Panthers. You can't go wrong there. How you doing, Bo? Your mic's not on. I can't hear you, Bo. I, Let's now go. Some love, lovely technical difficulties to start the day. <laughs> Nothing Bo, better, right? No, you're good. It's a great way to introduce you in our 50th episode because I wanted to say thank you to you as well for joining Just for Sport. I'm happy to have you here as a member of the Props Network now, not just talking college football once in a while, but you're going to be with us for the long haul. That makes me very happy. And I just want to thank you for or for being a part of the Props Network. Yeah, the Pit Network runs deep. I'm really happy to be on board. <laughs> yes, it does. So let's first talk about number nine, Indiana, and number three, Ohio State. When I look at this game, I see two teams who have not played enough games to even be ranked. I know I'm wrong in that assessment, but again, I can't keep, I can't help but bring it up. I don't like yeah. these, you know, they just played four games already. Come on now. What are your I mean, thoughts on this matchup? I, I think you're beating a dead horse there, but, you know, it's a valid complaint. But at this point, I think you just kind of have to accept what's going on there. I think what's more worrisome is today with Maryland, Michigan State getting canceled, we've reached 15 cancellations for this week again after having 15 cancellations last week. We don't need to get into that because I know we talked a lot about that. Um, I guess it was Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, still very concerning. What isn't concerning is how good this game is going to be. You know, when you talk about Clemson and Florida State are playing – and Indiana and Ohio State playing. If you looked at this game at this slate five years ago, you would not have expected that this Big Ten matchup would have been the top ten matchup. You would have said it would have been Florida State and Clemson. But here we are, number nine Indiana, number three the Ohio State. They're ready to go to war Saturday at noon. It's going to be a great game. I think you know Ohio State getting twenty and a half points. I think that's a lot. You know, this Tom Allen team is is going to compete. I think they've always shown that, even in the past couple of years when they weren't necessarily finishing the games, mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily winning them. They were still hanging around with the teams like Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. And this year we've started to see them finish. They did it against Michigan. They obviously did it against Penn State. And here they are with a chance to do it against Ohio State. I like Penix Jr. I like Fields. I feel like the ball in their yeah. hands will be – it'll be an exciting game. But the Hoosiers kind of crept up on us, right? Yeah. Ohio yeah. State has always been here. So I feel like more of the pressure actually falls on Indiana to show that they belong more than Ohio State saying we're here and we're legitimate even though we only play three games. See, I think that's a good point, but I would actually go the other way. Oh. Right. I would say that Indiana, they're playing with house money at this point, right? Because nobody expected them to be here in this situation besides themselves. You know, Tom Allen knows the type of guys he's got in that locker room. He knows the type of team he can put out. But when it comes to Ohio State, Ryan Day and Justin Fields, they know that they belong in the playoff. They know that they belong in the title hunt. 
And given the Big Ten scenario, given that they've already had to cancel their game last week against Maryland, they're kind of playing with a short leash now when it comes to, you know, if they slip up anywhere along this route, not only could they not be playing in the playoff in the eventual college football championship, but if they slip up to Indiana this week, they could not even be in the Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. And given that they're already only going to play seven regular season games at this point, even if they don't have any more cancellations, not playing in that eighth championship game could be the you know silver bullet to end uh, Ohio State's title chances this season. And you know I don't think that Justin Fields is going to be one of these players you know taking advantage of the change in NCAA regulations to allow um, anyone to come back uh, next year regardless of their status and and you know as a as a student this year I don't really see Justin Fields being one of those players to entertain that I think he's going to make the leap to the NFL after this season and I think Ohio State will have wasted a golden opportunity with one of the best one of the best college quarterbacks we've seen recently uh the I can't believe that Ohio State is favored minus 20 and a half over yeah. under at 66. And this this line opened, I want to say, at like 18 and a half. So we're definitely seeing heavy movement in favor of Ohio State, which gives me a little more indication that maybe I want might want to take Indiana in the points. Oh, wow. Okay, Indiana in Indiana and the points. And if and you're feeling if, bold, if you're feeling yeah. bold, plus 800 on the money line. Ooh, okay. Uh, that's that, Those are good odds. Maybe you have to go, you know, and – Look at those, look at making a bet myself. Over under at 66. How how high of a scoring game do you see this being? I think it's a good number. It's a good number. Indiana, I think, went around 50. It was like 36-21, I want to say, against Michigan. Um, these are two underrated defenses. I think Indiana, their strength this season, despite the play of Michael Penix and Stevie Scott, their great running back. Their strength has been in the defense. Tom Allen, he's a defensive guy, defensive head coach. That's where he's going to make his bread and butter. That's why I think that this might be a sneaky under game at 66. Both, Mm. you know, accomplished offenses, two really good quarterbacks in Fields and Penix Jr., like you mentioned, but two really accomplished defenses that are going to want to come out and compete as well. So maybe an under pick. I haven't – I'm still kind of going back and forth, but – 66 is a really interesting number right there in the middle of the range. Uh, The other game, of course, we're going to talk about Pitt football. Virginia Tech comes into town. Virginia Tech is favored to win this game. What in the world is going on? Pitt plus two and a half, over under 54 and a half. I don't like it. I mean, these teams, in my mind, I mean, points per game, Virginia Tech is scoring more. But I thought that maybe Pitt would get, you know, would get a little more love being at home. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, that's when you look at these lines, right, you have to keep in mind that, you know, there's normally like, what, a three-point swing when it comes to the home team. So on a neutral site, this is probably a five-and-a-half-point line for Virginia Tech, which is telling you what oddsmakers are thinking about Pitt right now. Coming off a unscheduled bye week, after there were COVID issues, both in Pitt's camp as well as Georgia Tech, who won't be playing this week either after their game with Miami was canceled. When you look at the records, both teams at 4-4, four and four, Virginia Tech at 4-3 and three in the ACC, Pitt at 3-4. and four. Virginia Tech had a really good start to the season. They 
you know, ran up the score on Boston College and NC State. And then they come back down the stretch. You know, there were some issues early in the season with a lot of holdouts. I think they had 20 missing players for two or three consecutive games. But, you know, Braxton Biermeister, their backup quarterback, stepped in admirably. It's been a huge season for uh, Khalil Herbert. They're running back a transfer from Kansas. They also have Raheem Blackshear, a transfer from Rutgers, and a very good offensive line in front of both of those backs. But then they come out, they lose to Liberty, who we talked about a little bit on Monday. They lose to uh, Miami, Miami in a game which they led pretty much the entire game going into the fourth quarter um, at uh, at Lane Stadium down in Blacksburg, and then just kind of gave it away in the in the fourth quarter. And again. I'm not that impressed with Miami this season. They've done their job. They've managed to get things done against every team except Clemson. But I really thought Virginia Tech was going to pull that out. And so I think coming into Pitt, there's a little bit of an opportunity there for the Panthers. Like I said, they're coming in off a of bye week. They've got Pickett back. We'll see who is actually held out due to COVID protocols. But I think if this is a team anywhere close to full strength, that this game is going to be maybe a little bit closer than – uh, that line might indicate maybe closer to a one point or a pick them um, straight up even. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Pitt at plus two and a half. I'm also I take I think they will win. I I, I like think, I like the over too, over fifty four and a half. I like the over. I don't quite get, and maybe that's my naivete. Maybe it's my heart, but. They score forty one points at FSU. Kenny Pickett returns, and their offense seems to return. Yeah. I and and like you said, Miami's had coming off of two straight losses. How are you not looking at this game it it at Heinz Field and saying, okay, Pitt is should be favored to win this game? I just I don't know. But well, and I think I think it goes back to you know looking at those last two games um, besides Notre Dame at Heinz Field um, that Pitt lost the um, the NC State game and then going up to Boston and losing um, on the missed extra point. I just think that, you know, the people setting these lines are going to kind of look at, you know, back even when they did have Pickett, they were still losing to similar opposition in NC State, Boston College, and, of course, getting shellacked by Notre Dame. So the the proof has not been in the pudding, so to say, so far for the Panthers, but they have an opportunity this week to set the, set the ship on the right course you're wrapping a season up and kind of get back maybe to a to a good bowl um, if bowl season happens. Yeah, if bowl season happens with all the cancellations you brought up at the top, it'll be interesting to see how college football changes, and they have to change. There's no need to try to stick to this, oh, the college football championship has to happen on this date. Nope, we just saw the Masters in November. We just saw NBA season yeah. end when it should have been starting. Major League Baseball still finished their season in October. You can change NCAA or college football, BCS, whoever's whoever's in the room. Make the decision right now before you destroy everything, and hopefully they are. Uh, thank yeah. you, Bo. By the uh, way, underrated yeah. game. Under, I'll give you one more. One more game. Top, top 15 Coastal Carolina undefeated at home against Appalachian State. One loss in the Sun Belt. Really good matchup there in the Fun Belt. In the fun belt. In the fun belt. I like that game. Appalachian State, didn't they beat Michigan, like, first game of the yeah. season, like, that three, was, four that years was, ago? That was their last ranked win. Wow. wow. Was now the, they, now they have a chance to add another over a top 15. Hey, I'm, rooting, uh, I'm rooting for Appalachian State. 
Chanticleers, Chanticleers minus five and a half. How about that? Thank you. Thank you, Bo. Bo knows college football. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being a part of the show, Bo. Um, I really enjoy him. Wasn't that good, right? You know, and I, and I love the pit love. That's that's the other part. You know, it's like I'm doubling down. Not only do I enjoy working with Bo in the short amount of time that we've gotten to know each other and work together, but it's that pit connection that helps. It helps. Are you located in a state with legal online sports betting? Don't make a bet this season before you visit thepropsnetwork.com. Thepropsnetwork.com has you covered with free bets and special bonus deal from all the top U.S. online sports books. Get $30 in free bets and up to $600 in risk-free bets at Unibet. Or you can claim up to a $1,000 signing bonus bundle from DraftKings Sportsbook. Or try PointsBet Sportsbook with four risk-free bets totaling up to $1,000 using promo code BONUSPROPS. Now, what does that mean? The Props Network is the only, the only betting news site with live NFL odds for every NFL game. So any one of those that you want to pick from, you know, all those different options I gave you, they're all, they're all like bonus. We're giving you extra bonuses to use on your NFL picks, NBA, NCAA, whatever the case may be. Props Network has you covered. So you can shop the comps and know you are getting the biggest payout possible before you can lock in your bet. Do your, do your bankroll a favor and check out the propsnetwork.com. You must be 21 or over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So I'm going to end the show here talking about a few things. Devil's Advocate. The news came out the other day that the New York Mets second baseman Robinson Cano tested positive for PEDs. And he'll be suspended for the entire 2021 season, according to a statement by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. Manfred. It's the second PED suspension for Cano at 38. He missed 80 games in 2018 after testing positive for a diuretic when he was with the Mariners. Of course, we're all disappointed. Mets president Sandy Alderson said, we're extremely disappointed. Quote, we're extremely disappointed to be informed about Robinson's suspension for violating Major League Baseball's joint drug prevention and treatment program. And it's weird because it got me to thinking. What's wrong with taking performance enhancing drugs? Aren't we all in life trying to enhance our performance? And I said, yeah, we are. And then I said, okay, but Jamoke, you're critical of the Astros for stealing signs using trash cans and, and cameras and live monitors in the dugout tunnel. But you're sitting here, and when you saw the ticker go across uh, the television saying that Robinson Cano was suspended, you then said, well, maybe it's okay if players take a drug to enhance their performance. And the reason I bring that up is because the line seems to just shift over time. The history of the drugs that are okay to take have improved in terms of what's what you can buy in the store. 
what's over the counter. And I would like to think that if you're saying players cannot take performance-enhancing drugs, and there's this list here, but then you find the players saying, oh, well, I just went into the GNC, and, you know, I just, that's where I was getting my performance-enhancing drugs that weren't illegal from. And then you find out, oh, well, I, I didn't read the list or the ingredients on the packaging, and that's where I, that's how I got myself in trouble. If this is about protecting the health of players and people in general, saying, no, 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 don't take the drugs, it can hurt you, right? Long, your long term effects, we don't know what it does to your body. From that perspective, I understand it. But everything is about enhancing your performance. And I just question to what level we're going to go. Maybe it's at a point where you want to go, you're, you're, you're trying to go back to a time where you just want to say, this athlete was just a specimen. He was just really good at basketball or football, baseball, obviously in this case, as Robinson Cano sparked this conversation. And let's face it, no athlete is like that. When Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were breaking the home run record set by Lou Gehrig, no, sorry, it's not Lou Gehrig. What am I talking about? Wow. Um, were you enjoying the moment? Were you thinking about the drugs that they took? Maybe a little bit, but not enough to say, hey, they shouldn't be playing. Not enough to suspend them then, even though everyone was saying, oh, well, Sammy Sosa took something. And obviously, they went on Capitol Hill and started talking. Roberto, uh, 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 Paul, gosh, I'm forgetting his name, with the Baltimore Orioles. Obviously, Sammy Sosa's with the Orioles at the time, too, and said, oh, I don't know how to speak English. Uh, Paul Merrill, but I'm forgetting his first name. Sorry about that. Alex Rodriguez took performance-enhancing drugs and then, you know, it, admitted it almost immediately after he got caught. And now he's on television. Is anybody thinking about what he took? If you're hiding it, I guess, yeah, I do have a problem with that. But this is probably the first time that I have been torn with saying... Well, what's wrong with performance-enhancing drugs? Again, if the player wants to take it, and if you're saying that we don't want them to take it because of the long-term effects of their health, then yes, don't take performance-enhancing drugs. But if it's just because you're trying to say, oh, it's about the purity of the game, that's been long gone, long gone. And at 38, for a player like Robinson Cano, who's really in many ways just trying to stay in the game. I just want to stay healthy so I can keep playing. Hit home runs. 
help win games for the Mets. Live up to my contract where I'm getting what? 24 million this year, 24 million next year. I'm trying to extend the life of my career. Maybe it's time to think about us not having as big of a problem with performance enhancing drugs. Maybe it's that time. All right, sports, you don't care about. Family time will come back. Family time will come back. But sports, you don't care about. I got the headline here. It's always sunny in Wrexham. Why did I do that? Well, the reason why I did that is because two of my favorite actors, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, have bought a soccer team. They bought Wrexham AFC. And I couldn't think of a line to mix It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where it's always sunny in Wrexham, with a movie that Ryan Reynolds has went in. So I said, I'm just going to stick with that. I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it was like, it like blew up that these guys bought this soccer team and it's not like English Premier League soccer. It's not at that level yet, but they hope it will get to that level and the beauty of what they are doing. That they put $2.5 million into this team. They want to do a documentary. And I imagine it's going to be the best documentary that we have seen. And there are several soccer documentaries that I have enjoyed on Netflix. Um, and I'm going to share a, a funny story with you here briefly is... I'm going to say maybe 2011, 2012. I don't even know if it was real. But I have been doing a documentary or more of a docu-reality series on the Wizards when I worked for the Wizards. It was called Wizards Magazine, The Journey. And I got a call from Barcelona. That's right, that Barcelona soccer club about how much they enjoyed Wizards Magazine, The Journey, and it was a very early conversation about would I come and work on a documentary about Barcelona? I know, stupid. I said, no. I love the Wizards. It was my home team. I was almost just honored that they would even think to email me. And then we had a phone call and they wanted to know how I did the, the Wizards documentary. But I in the end, uh, never came to fruition. But I loved seeing this story. And now I'm on to a Formula One documentary that on Netflix that I've been enjoying. But the trust for Wrexham AFC said, quote, as Wrexham supporters, we would like to wish them the very best of luck in charge of our football club and look forward to what the future brings. McElhaney said, quote, you may never have heard of Wrexham, the racehorse ground, or Eifer Williams, but you will. So to the Wrexham supporters, trust, thank you for your faith and trust in us. Reynolds added, we are humbled and we are already getting to work. Is this really happening? 
It's happening. And I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I want to see what they can do. What I can't do is I cannot add another soccer team uh, to my fandom, but I really want to. I'm already a Millwall fan. I'm already a Coventry City fan. I'm already a Chelsea fan. I'm already an Ivory Coast fan. I'm already a DC United fan. I don't know if I can add, add Wrexham AFC, but I love the story. And if it's a sport you don't care about, you may at least care about the documentary. Because if you hear about this team getting to the English Premier League and building up an organization, whether it's in two years, five years, 10 years, it's going to be a great story. And I'm looking forward to watching it. Again, By the way, oh, here's Bo. Bo's chiming in. Speaking of speaking of soccer documentaries on. No, I think you're pretty right. Have you seen Sunderland Till I Die? No. Is that a good one? Watch it. Oh. Watch it. That's okay. all I that's all I came here to say. Okay. All right. Sunderland till I die. I'll check that out. I've watched uh the Man City one. Tottenham, I'm watching that now, which Tottenham, oh boy, what's going on? Jose Mourinho, I hated when Chelsea let him go. And now where is he? Almost back atop the English Premier League. If it was family time, we would have had a good conversation about that. But I just want to end this over reflecting one more time on the first 50. Looking back at our first 50 episodes of Just for Sport, I want to thank everyone who was on the show as a guest. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, from then until now, I'm happy to have Bo joining the show. I look forward to many, many episodes with him and bringing on more guests and possibly having Dexter as a regular on the show. Uh, it's really been a joy to do this show. Um, I'm going to be building a new set behind me soon, so I'm working on new construction. I know it's crazy. I tore down the old one. I'm going to build a new one. It'll be ready soon. Um, but I'm going to take a little vacation. Um, ending right here at the 50th episode. I'm not going to do a show all next week. I'm going to be giving thanks for even being able to do this show to Sam and Kyle, to Joe Walkowski, my guy who's now on the walk-on. I've enjoyed talking basketball with him as, as we started the live stream together. It's just been a wild ride, and I appreciate everyone who's been on it. And, uh, yeah, we're going to come back as Mike Greenberg used to say when I used to watch uh, Mike and listen to Mike and Mike in the morning, we're going to come back bigger and better than ever. Thank you very much to everyone for watching our live stream, for listening to the podcast, for supporting me, being on this guest. Looking forward to the next 50. You know what I'm going to say, everybody. Ciao for now.